This morning we're going to talk about God's power. As we do that, watch this. You must be Bruce. I've been expecting you. <laughs> you always were funny, like your father. How do you know my father, and how'd you get my pager number? Oh, I know quite a lot about you, Bruce. Just about everything there is to know. Everything you've ever said, or done, or thought about doing, right there in that file cabinet. Wow, a whole drawer just for me. Yeah, mind if I take a look? Sure, like. That's gonna be good. last entry was a little disturbing. The gloves are off, God. God has taken my bird and my bush. God is a mean kid with a magnifying glass. Smite me, almighty smiter. Now, I'm not much for blaspheming, but that last one made me laugh. Are you spying on me? Who are you? I'm the one, creator of the heavens and the earth, Alpha and Omega. I'm God. Well, it was nice to meet you, God. A lot of complaining about me, Bruce. Quite frankly, I'm tired of it. In a way, I brought you here to offer you a job. Job? What job? My job. You think you can do it better, so here's your chance. When you leave this building, you will be endowed with all my powers. Whatever you say now. Okay. Normal everyday psychotic episode. Caused by a tumor, a brain lesion. Well, this morning we want to talk about God's power, not in the way that Bruce experienced it, but in the way that God has his power for us. But when it comes to God's power, it can be beyond what we know. It can be beyond, at times, what we understand. And therefore, we have sometimes some trouble connecting with it. And we want to talk about that this morning. In Matthew's 13th chapter, verses 3 through 7 in the NIV, Jesus points us to the fact of why sometimes we have a problem connecting with God's power. And this is a parable of the sower. And in it, Jesus tells us a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, if you know anything about parables, you know that there are stories that, that on the surface have some meaning, but underneath, below the surface, they have a whole lot more meaning. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here. So the farmer in the parable is God, and the seed that is in the parable is God's word, and it's God's love, because that comes from God's word, and God's best for us, because that's the reason he gives us his word, so we'll know of his love and we'll know of his best plan for our life. And so we see that in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare. In other words, God wants us to fare well in this life. And if you look at some of the other versions, this is the Revised Standard Version. Some of the other versions translate this, uh, plans for prosperity. Now, as soon as you see that word, there is that prosperity thing. And people say, oh, yeah, you're just in it for what you're going to get from God. But that's not what prosperity really means in this sense and in this word. It's really fullness. You see, God's plans for you is for you to have a really full life. And not only that, but God's plan is so that he can take care of you. That's the way it's translated sometimes. And sometimes it's translated as good. So God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for welfare, prosperity, your fullness, to take care of you. Plans for goodness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, I know in life when tough stuff comes up, it's kind of hard to remember that. 
kind of question that. And I know that we've had a lot of deaths with friends and family associated with our church. And when you're really struggling with that, it's hard to realize that God has a plan for you and that's his best for you. But you see, God didn't promise that everything in our lives is just going to be wonderful and smooth. And there's not ever going to be any kind of things that come up that are difficult for us. But his plan is for no matter what the circumstances are that do come up, he wants his best for you. We kind of had troubles connecting with it. And it's kind of what Jesus is talking about in the parable of the sower. He said a farmer went out to sow his seed. In other words, God went out to sow his word, his love, his best. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. You see, as God is sharing his word, his love, his best for us, there are places that we get to in life that are kind of hard, like, the, like a path would be hard. And that's because we do have disappointments and we do have hurts and we do have worries and fears. We have relational issues. We have sickness. When God is trying to send his love and his best to us and we're in one of those places, it's really hard for us to receive that. It's really hard for us to recognize that. And Jesus goes on to say, sometimes with God's love and his best for us, when he wants to share that with us, we're in a place of life. There's been so much going on. We just want to live on the surface. We don't want to have to deal with any more deep stuff in our life. We just kind of want to float along the surface and not think about that. And so when he sends his love and his best to us, when we're in those kind of places, the same things happen. It's hard for us to receive that. It's hard for us to recognize that. And the same is true, as he says here, when seed fell among thorns. It was love and his best fall among all the stuff you got to do in your life. You're overwhelmed by this and you're overwhelmed by that. Let me tell you what, his best and his love for you could be choked out by that, can it? So what Jesus is really saying in the parable of the sower is, don't settle for less than God's plan for you. Rather, always reach for God's best. It sounds like a platitude, Bill. Great. How do you really do it? That's what we want to talk about this morning. Because there's a guy in the Bible that gives us a really, really good indication of that. And if you think, well, it's probably Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob in Genesis now. You're thinking maybe Moses in Exodus, that's not it. You're thinking David or Solomon in Kings, nope, that's not it either. And in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, neither them nor Peter or Paul. Actually, this occurs in Chronicles 9th chapter, verses 9 and 10, just two verses. And the guy's name is Jabez. Now, the cool thing and crazy thing about this, really, is the verse that precedes these two verses. It says something like, cause, beget, anub, and on and on with those beget. And then the verse that follows this talks about Shalub, the brother of Shulah, beget Mehir, and on and on. And so what happens in... First Chronicles 1 through 9, and remember we're in chapter 4, there are 1,400 plus names of people that begat this person, begat this person, begat this person. One of the biggest of all the genealogies in the Bible. And if you ever try to read through that, man, it's tough. But when it comes to these two verses in First Chronicles 4, 9 and 10, God does something a little bit different. And whoever he inspired to write this portion of Scripture... He said, now, we're going to talk about this guy because there's something special about him. This is what God has to say. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Let me tell you what. Anytime we can be honorable to God, it's great. It's awesome. But it didn't stop there for Jabez because it says, and his mother called his name Jabez because I bore him in pain. Now, I'm sure somebody in your life has said to you, you know what? You're a real pain. 
And a lot of times when they say that, they'll kind of have a smile on their face, you know, kind of in just, it's, it's sort of in just, sort of not. When they feel like you're a really, really, really big pain, they won't say anything. And so can you imagine going through life going, hi, I'm a big pain, Underwood. Hi, I'm going to cause you pain, Underwood. I mean, can you imagine going through life like that? It would be absolutely horrible. So what did Jabez do? Well, he called on the God of Israel. You see, whenever we're in pain, that's what we're to do. We're to call on God. Whenever we are, realize we're being a pain, we're to call on God. So what happens is Jabez calls on God and prays this prayer. And this prayer, we're going to unpack it, is a, is a terrific pattern for understanding and receiving God's power in our lives. And let me just read through it quickly first. Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. And as soon as Jabez prayed this, the very last line in these two verses is this. God granted him what he requested. Wow. God granted him what he requested. Well, why did God do that? W. Clement Stone offers a little bit of perspective on this. He said, there is little difference in people, but that little difference in some causes them to be greatly different from others. And we certainly know that's true with Billy Graham and Mother Teresa. They're kind of different than a lot of other people. And that's because they approach God in a different way. So let's take a look at this prayer of Jabez and see what it says. Let's unpack it. It begins this way. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. When Jabez inserted that word indeed, what he was really doing was he was putting a bunch of explanation points behind it. He was underlining it. He was making it bold. He was capitalizing it. Because what he meant by that was, oh, that you would bless me because I am vulnerable. I am so vulnerable in my life. I really don't have what it takes to make things happen. I really don't have what it takes to change my destiny or to do any of the things people often say that they should be able to do. The world tells us, hey, you can do anything. In some sense, that is true. But ultimately, in Jabez's heart, there was a great vulnerability, a great humility. So when it comes to the word bless, what he's asking for is God's most holy favor. Now, he's not asking for anything specific. He's not saying, bless me in this way. He's saying, I just need your most holy favor. You figure out what that is. And whatever it is, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And I so badly need that. Because I'm so vulnerable. And every time I say hello to somebody, I tell them what a pain I am. And so, oh, that you would bless me indeed. And enlarge my territory. Now, again, when you see this, a lot of times, like, oh, there's the prosperity thing again, Bill. You know, you just want more property. You want more stuff. You want more money. It's not what he's talking about here at all. For the word enlarge, as it's used in the Bible, it means God move positively within my territory. Because within my territory for you, that's inside of me, there's a place. And I want to enlarge your place in my life. So, positively, absolutely enlarge your place in me. And then too, he goes on to say that your hand would be with me. And I really like what Ecclesiastes 9.1 in the message version says. It says, the good, the wise, and all they do are in God's hands. It's true. All the things of life are really in God's hands. We need to picture ourselves that way. And as you see on the screen there, there's a person standing in the palm of God's hand. And I have to tell you guys, I, that's kind of the way I view my life. 
And sure, I'm standing here right now, but I see underneath it God's hand. It's really big. And when I walk out of the parking lot, God's hand's going to be kind of underneath me. And when I get in my car and I drive away, I'm going to see God's hand underneath me there as well. Just think what it would be like if we really had a concept that that's what our lives are about. God's hand is underneath us. And you know what? If something's going on or I'm going to a place I don't need to go, you know what he does? He'll just kind of cup his hand a little bit and warn me not to go there. Or if something's going to come and going to hurt me in some way, God can cup his hand there too and protect me. So Jabez says, oh, that you would bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil. Jesus, in Matthew 6, chapter verse 13, in the Revised Standard Version, talks about the Lord's Prayer, and that's how we should pray. And you recognize in the Lord's Prayer these words, and lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You see, Jesus said, we should need to be praying about that, because it's evil in this world that comes against us in all sorts of forms. Never, ever in your life you're going to have a devil jump out in front of you. <laughs> He's so subtle. So many things will be there to get in your way and to drag you down. It's, we mentioned a little bit earlier, Crossways was yesterday. It was awesome. I got to preach. Somehow I only got three and a half hours sleep before I went to it. I was completely wiped out by 10 o'clock when the thing started after setting up. Did that, though, and God was all over that and had a baptism, and I get home and wash the vehicle to get all the salt off of it. And I'm just, I, I'm just, I, there's nothing left. I mean, Patty will tell you, she was kind of kept looking at me, are you okay? I was wiped out. And then after that, the air conditioner decides to just clog up and the water to start dripping that's going to danger our wood floors. Wow. Well, you know what? I don't know that Satan stuck his finger in the drain plug, but oh, this is terrible. Oh, my God, what are you going to do? You're so tired. You've done some good things for God. And look at this. What's, what's up with this? But you see, that's the way it comes. And then God guided me to YouTube and to Home Depot, and the problem was solved. But we need to, not just in silly things like that, which do have some impact, but really in the serious things of life, we need to say, God, deliver me from evil. Jesus said that we need to be praying for that. And so how does God deliver us from evil? Evil, although we kind of understand the concept of it in some way, it's still beyond us, and it's still beyond our knowledge and our understanding in some ways because it can trick us so much. Well, the Bible says this, that God has a spiritual way of dealing with it. And one of the ways it talks about in the Bible is angels. In fact, we see in Matthew's 18th chapter and 10th verse in the message, it says, don't treat a single one of these childlike believers arrogantly. And this is Jesus who's talking. Don't you realize that their personal angels are constantly in touch with my Father in heaven? It tells us that God has for us spiritual beings to help us. He has angels. We are to embrace that. We're to pray, God, we need help. And, of course, some of those angels are warrior angels because they have to fight evil. And we know that Gabriel in the Bible in heaven tossed Satan and about a third of the angels out. And so he's still there fighting for us spiritually, even though we can't see him. And I don't know about you guys, but this is the last thing I think of at night when I pray. See the picture on the screen there is an angel standing a watch over somebody who's asleep. The last thing I pray before I go to sleep every night is, Oh, Lord, in the name and blood of Christ, cover and protect me. Send your mighty warrior angel to guard my thoughts so that they will be consistent with what you want me thinking and dreaming in the middle of the night. And also, Father, so that I will not wake up with thoughts that keep me awake. You ever thought about that? Ever struggle with waking up in the middle of the night and not going back to sleep? And you know what? That happens to me sometimes too. You know what I do? I just say my prayers. The prayers I was going to say in the morning, I just say it at night. Usually it's funny. By the end of that, I can just feel myself going oh, back to sleep. 
But you see, God will protect you. God will watch over you. And that's what Jabez is talking about. Oh, that you would bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil. And again, a lot of people say this, oh, it's prosperity gospel. You're just seeing what God will give you, what you can get out of God, and that's really not it at all. You kind of see a little taste of that in another clip from the movie Bruce Almighty. Watch this. Well, you took the job, Bruce, so I suggest you get to it. You've got prayers. Oh, come on! What a bunch of whiners. This is going to suck up my whole life. Yes, to all. Now everybody's happy. I'll do to that. My tech stock's tripled in five days. You know something, Jill? You seem taller. I am. <laughs> My daughter pitched a no-hitter. I lost 47 pounds on the crispy cream diet. Bless you. Bless all of you. And that's not what blessings are about. Even though we like to think that, don't we? In fact, Proverbs 10, 22 in the Living Bible says, The Lord's blessing is our greatest wealth, and our work adds nothing to it. Nothing you can do, no works you can do, can add to God's blessing for your life. It is His blessing to you. It is His divine favor to you. The way that we open ourselves up to it, the way we're able to receive more and more of it, because it's His desire to give that to you. He sows those seeds in His Word of His love and of His best for you. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. So what do we ask? To summarize Jabez's prayer, ask for God's divine, most holy favor. And in doing that, you're not asking for anything specific. You're just asking for God to work in your life, for his plan, for his best in your life to come about, to come to fruition. And you do that out of humility, and you do that out of vulnerability. And you ask him to enlarge positively his place within you. In other words, in your life, if you kind of look in and say, yeah, God's got this much place in me, Ask him to expand it. Say, I want more of you in me and more of you in me. And ask God to help you stay standing in his hands at all times. When you're walking around, you're driving in your car, see his hand underneath you. And in that, he can spiritually protect you from evil. And pray for that. Because as James 4.2 says, you do not have because, guess what? You do not ask. So make sure to ask God for his love and his best in your life. Ephesians 3, 21, 22, Living Bible, I love the scripture. It says, Now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare or ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, and hopes. God can do far more than we can imagine or dare ask. But God's not saying don't ask. He says, go ahead and ask, okay? Because we're asking God, do your thing in me and help me to see that. Help me to move towards that. And it's going to be infinitely beyond anything that you do ask because you don't know what you're asking for. Just asking for God's favor. You ask for his best. Ask for his love in your life. Let me share with you a brief clip about a guy who started out in a way that initially would have seemed to be a pain when you kind of observe from the outside in. It's a young man born with Down syndrome. Watch what God is able to do with him in his life. I am so excited to go to work, so I do a dance off in the parking lot. We serve breakfast, lunch, and hugs. The hugs are the best part. I am Tim Harris, and this is my place. Oh, yeah. Have you been here before? No, I've never been here before. Well, I'm Tim. I'm the owner. 
This place is the special place to be at because it's run and operated by me. Since I was a kid, I wanted to own a restaurant and then asked my dad to help me out. I'm very glad I did. Thank you, Dad. I love you so much. I love you too, buddy. I'm very proud of you. When he was about 14 years old, he told us that someday he was going to own a restaurant. After we all uh, gulped and gasped, we began to take him seriously, and the result is history in the making. As far as we know, we have not yet found another person with Down syndrome in this country that owns their own restaurant. We hope that other people will, though. So let me get this straight. So you, yeah. you're a restaurateur yes. and a special living athlete, special living athlete and you yes. won a gold medal. I won more medals than Michael Phelps. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did not let my disability crush the dreams. We are a gift to the world. So reach for God's best for you and let it be your gift to the world. Don't let anything hold you back. As Isaiah 55, 9 in the message tells us, For as the sky soars high above the earth, God says, So the way I work surpasses the way that you work. You see, anything that you do in your life, any work you do, any works you do, you're not going to be able to add to God's blessings for you. You can't earn them. But look at what God says next. The sky soars above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work, and the way I think is beyond the way you think. You see, that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to think as He does. He wants us to think about how He would like to work in our lives, how He wants to be a part of our lives. And so how do we think that way? How do we get on board with Him? How do we get in step with God? We do that by praying. We do that by asking. And so ask for God's most holy divine favor in your life. Doing that again, you're not asking for anything specific. You're just asking for God to come more fully in your life. And as you do that, do it out of vulnerability, out of humility, because that's what it's about. And not only that, but seek God that he would have a bigger place in your life and that you would walk around, drive around with that picture of his hand underneath your life, standing in his hand at all times, and that he, in all those ways, will keep you from evil. So join God in this way. Think as he thinks, and his thoughts and his life will be yours. Pray with me. Great God, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ, for his words we've seen this morning. We thank you, Father, for the inspiration of Scripture that we have seen this morning, too, as you have touched the hearts of people throughout the ages to bring us your truth. And we pray, Father, that that truth would be with us this morning. As we saw in the parable of the sower, that your seed is your word and your love and your best for us. And Father, I pray this morning that we would just kind of open up the ground of our lives and that we would receive that seed that you've given us this morning of understanding. And that we would, Father, tend to it and that we would continually be in prayer with you about your place in our hearts and life. And that it would grow to fruition, as the scripture says, beyond anything we can imagine, Father. And so we thank you for that and your love. In Jesus' precious name, and all God's people say, amen.